gentlemen welcome to episode 119 of the Caesar's show it's your guy sir Caesars. i hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode just to rehash with the last episode it was episode 118 featuring grayson moore um, former d1 basketball player for utah state and also is the co-founder of next level basketball 435 as well too so great episode Hope you guys enjoyed it, got further insight on what it takes to be a professional, um, what it takes to just be great. And, you know, I hope you guys learn a little bit more about the X and the O standpoint from from a from a great basketball mindset like himself as well, too. So um, what else do I want to say? Um, you know, just continue to uh, support, subscribe to all forms of social media, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all that good stuff at the Caesars Show and at Cersei's as well, too. So. This week, this episode 119, I have a very special guest who was uh, who came onto the the podcast scene as a featured guest years ago while he was actually still playing Division One basketball. Um, and I remember back in this day, I didn't really have the best form of equipment. Um, he actually had a call in from 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 all the way Midwest slash West Coast, and I used to have my iPhone and I would put the speaker to the mic uh, and, and to to see where we've kind of grown. Um, from then to now is, is truly amazing as well, too. And this, this guy's actually, you know, a relative, a brother, a, a cousin um, as well, too. So he actually lives out in L.A. And I'm excited for him to be on this show to give you guys um, for him to give you guys further insight on, you know, just everything that he's kind of gone through and what he's kind of going through now. And obviously some NBA hoops as well, too. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for my blood, for my cousin, for one of my best friends, Purvis Louder. What up, C? What up? How you living? I'm doing great, doing great, man. It's just crazy how these two years have just kind of flown by so fast, you know what I'm saying? Like, I remember you came here during the height of the pandemic in 2020 of August, and I followed uh, briefly after as well, too, and it looks like we found a, a good balance of, you know, our professional, personal, private life as well, too, these past couple of years. How, how's it been treating you? Man, it's been good. I can't complain, um, you know, being on the West Coast. Uh, last two years, obviously, it's a different type of different type of environment, complete opposites, you know, from from being in North Carolina. But, you know, I found found my people here, you know, so um, it's good to, to have those connections. And I'm continuously learning, you know, continuously growing. So um, all in all, this is good. The buzzword I kind of just heard right there was North Carolina, East Coast boy. Obviously, I'm from Virginia, but you grew up in North Carolina. I mean, every now and then I would visit you know, probably like once a month or whatnot as well, too. But, I mean, how was it growing up in North Carolina? I think you you not only played basketball growing up, but you played soccer growing up. So tell me how it was growing up in North Carolina um, and then kind of just, you know, soccer with the basketball. And I think you had to basically choose between the two. And how did soccer even help out with basketball long term? 
Yeah, so um, so soccer was actually the first first sport I, I started playing. Um, I think I was like maybe five, four or five years old. Um, you know, I played played soccer and basketball growing up. Um, I think I played up until high school. I played both sports up until high school. Um, high school, um, ninth grade. You know, I had a decision to make. My parents were tired of, you know, taking me from soccer to basketball all the time. I had to. Had to pick one sport, um, and basketball was something I, you know, I fell in love with. Um, and it's pretty hard not to play basketball growing up in North Carolina. You know, that's the the hoop state. You know, I brag about North Carolina players all the time. Um, that's all we do is live, sleep, breathe hoops. Like that's that's it. Um, but you know, I'm I'm grateful that I did play soccer because I learned a lot. Um, and that definitely transitioned into my, my playing career. Um, I would say, like, you know, what transitioned the most? I would say conditioning. You know, I was definitely uh, prepared conditioning-wise as far as being in shape when it came for, for basketball season. And then also, uh, I would say, uh, footwork. Um, those two things, they definitely helped out a lot, um, you know, playing basketball. So, Yeah, that was pretty good. So when did you know – um, that Division One basketball could actually be a thing. Um, you know that was like my goal growing up. Um, and you know playing in high school, I played for for Garner Road Bulldogs, um, one of the top programs in the state. Um, you know they had a whole bunch of guys that played Division One and a couple in the NBA. So I was already exposed to that, and I competed at that level already. Um, so, you know, playing against those guys and showing that I am capable of, you know, hanging with them, I already thought in my head, like, yo, if I can hang around these guys, I can definitely, you know, play at the next level. So, <clears throat> you know, I continuously just just worked. Um, I tried to always be around the gym, um, you know, you know, getting getting that getting those hours in, putting those ten thousand hours in. Um, and, you know, that's that kind of it, it got me far in life. I, I will say that. Mm, yeah, that's pretty dope. It's pretty dope. And then, um, obviously, you mentioned Garner Road uh, playing AAU, and I think you said uh, David West is one of the co-founders. So you know how how was whenever he could you know spend some time. Obviously, he's a busy guy. Like, how did that have a profound impact on you? Yeah, man. Um, David. So David West, he's one of the the co-founders for for Garner Road. Um, him and his brother. Uh, you know, once the NBA season would end, David would would come back. He's from Raleigh originally too, um, so his family is still back here. Um, you know, me and David, we still got a relationship to this day. You know, he's known me since I was like 13, 14 years old, um, and you know, he's a he was definitely a mentor uh, basketball wise. You know, I could go to him um, for for anything. You know what I mean? Um, and he definitely helped me a lot, um, you know, working out and, you know, working on my body. He really taught me the importance of taking care of your body, you know, stretching, um, you know, weight room, you know, um, constantly preparing me for, for the next level and putting my mind, uh, you know, prepping my mind for for the next level. So, um, you know, growing up, I would always just parents would drop me off at the gym um, and I'd be there all day with David, you know, working out you know, helping with the other kids, you know, they might have camps and stuff going on. Um, whatever it was, I was always around the game and um, you know, I definitely learned a lot from from David as well. 
that's pretty dope. That's pretty dope, man. Um, and obviously you had a tough decision to make, um, you know, where will you be taking your talents from transitioning to high school to, you know, playing college basketball? So what other, you know, opportunities that you kind of have and then what ultimately made you decide to choose air force to play um, college basketball? Yeah. So, um, you know, when we're young, you get so hung up on playing D1, D1, D1. That's, that's where you want to play. You want to play on TV, you know? Um, so, so I had air force, um, Wofford and Western Carolina. Um, those are my three division one offers. Then I had a multitude of, uh, of D2 offers too. Um, so I really thought I was going to go to Western Carolina. Um, but Someone just committed right before me, so. Oh damn. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, it obviously it, it worked out. Um, you know, so senior year, um, I was still getting recruited, still playing or whatever. Um, we had a really good senior year. Um, down at at, at Village Christian in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, and uh, finished. I think we finished Final Four in the playoffs. Um, but. Air Force was still still at the door, you know, still knocking, still calling. Um, so at the end of my senior year, I took a visit out to Colorado, um, took my, my visit there and, you know, toured the campus, talked to the coaches, um, kind of got a sense of what Colorado would be like in life there. Um, and ultimately, you know, I made that decision to, to take my talents there because, um, you know, one – is Division One obviously that's been a dream of mine. Uh, two, they play in the Mountain West Conference. Um, so for those that don't know the Mountain West, you know these teams you play against: UNLV, uh, University of New Mexico, uh, San Diego State, um, Utah State. Um, you know a lot of big schools, a lot of uh, a lot of good competition in the Mountain West. Um, so there's that. But then also it was. It was also uh, just a life thing, man. You know, everyone that I had talked to about the academy, they're like, you know, the academy is one of those things where, um, you know, you graduate, you'll have a job afterwards. You know, basketball doesn't really work out. Um, but it was also just like, you know, going to a prestigious university and uh, <laughs> it's pretty tough to, to go to school there and to play a sport. Um, and that was a, a, a huge challenge. So, you know, I figured everyone's telling me how hard it is you know if I can do it should I can just do anything in life so you know I made my decision to 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 play at uh play at the Air Force Academy and not even going into the actual you know basketball program but I mean it's you you're moving halfway across the country so how was that transition um how was the lifestyle and then if you can if you're allowed to share any insight like how was just the balancing of the lifestyle plus school plus the Air Force Academy plus basketball. Yeah. No, it's definitely an adjustment. Um, you know, going to I, I it took me a while to adjust, um, you know, coming from North Carolina, going all the way across the country to, to Colorado with, you know, no family, not knowing anyone. Um, you know, naturally I'm I'm pretty reserved. Um so it, it definitely took a while for, for me to adjust. Um, especially, you know, not having any military background or <laughs> experience. Um, I was kind of a, a deer in the headlights, um, and I didn't really know what to expect. Um, you know, it was it was tough for the first couple of months. I <laughs> I wanted to leave, um, 
Yeah. It was a lot of times where I was like, you know what, I'm through with this. Like, I'm just trying to go back home. Um, but I got I got too much pride, um, way too much pride. Um, so, you know, so I'll say going to the academy and then having to deal with school, um, having to deal with basketball, and then also the, the military aspect, um, you know, it's a lot to juggle. It's a lot to handle, um, you know. A lot of early mornings, a lot of late nights. You know, I'm waking up in the morning and I got a uniform inspection or a, a, a room inspection and then I got to go march and then I got breakfast and then I got class and then I got something that, you know what I mean? You're doing something every minute of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basketball was just, you know, basketball itself, playing at the Division One level is a job. And I don't think a lot of people understand that. Um, you devote so much time um, to 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 the gym and your craft and you know taking care of your body. You know you're around your teammates every single day, literally every single day, and they become your best friends. Um, but you know it 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 took me a while to adjust. Um, you know I learned a lot of discipline. Um, you know and I definitely I would say time management was was huge for me and you know prioritizing so. Um, I would say those things really, you know, help me to make it through. Nice, nice, nice. Now, tell us about, you know, playing playing Division One basketball. How was that transition from high school to college basketball and, you know, just the battles you went through and all that good stuff? Yeah, so I'll say this. Um, going from high school to, to college, um, it's still a huge jump. Um, especially Division One, even at Division Two, II, Division Three, like it's still a huge jump. Um, the pace of the game, um, you know, the X's and O's. Um, there's a lot of things at the high school level you're not really exposed to. Um, you know, once you get to the Division One level, a lot more things become detailed. Um, you get scouting reports, <laughs> and not on just on one player, but like seven, eight guys on the team. You know what I mean? And you're supposed to know their tendencies. You know. What do they like to do? What they're uh, shooting from from this side versus this side? You know, do they like, you know, pulling up on the left or going all the way to the basket? You know <laughs> what I mean? So that was a, a, a huge uh, gap, learning gap for me. Um, you know, I had to look at the scouting report. And um, and then also, like I said, the, the pace of the game. You got to – you really got to do things, you know, at a very fast pace, um, you know, and, not only playing, but learning at a fast pace as well because coaches aren't going to take the time um, to to go through something in practice. Um, you know what I mean? So you really got to be a, a quick learner and then also, you know, play fast as well. So I would say that was the, the big difference between uh, high school and, and college. Damn. Um, any games that kind of stood out to you when you played there? Yeah, uh a couple of games, um, I'll definitely say uh, when we played against Denver my my junior season, uh, we were down, I think, maybe like 22 points at <laughs> halftime. And, uh, you know, we came back in and won. Um, I played like the entire second half. And uh, I had the game-winning dunk. Um, I, I won't forget that at all. That was a, a definitely a, a memorable moment. Um, and then also, uh, uh, I would say, uh, playing against, uh, Colorado state my junior year as well. Um, that was kind of our rivals. 
Um, and we hadn't beat Colorado State in a while, I think, um, in a couple of years, but playing at their place as well. So getting that dub against them was definitely uh, fulfilling right there. Um, so those two games, and there's a couple more more games as well, but, you know, we don't got to – Go too much in depth in that, but yeah. What about what about some of the players? I mean, you named some pretty well known schools as well too. Are there any players that have transitioned from college basketball to the NBA that you've kind of played against? And, and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, probably the most famous one right now. I say uh, Pascal Siakam um, played against New Mexico State. Played against them twice, um, and they're not in our conference. But man, we played against Pascal. I think it was my sophomore year. And, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy how much in college you're limited. You know, Pascal was really playing the five and the four only. You know, he was not on the wing at all. Um, And he had an easy 30 and 10 on us. (laughs) 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 You know, in his sleep. Like, you know, his game wasn't really uh, on the perimeter like that. And then, you know, seeing him transition to the league and expanding his game. Um, you know, it, it shows a lot right there. So Pascal, uh, there's a couple of others. I'm trying to think. Uh, 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 what's his name? Chandler Hutchinson. I don't know if you remember him. He plays. He was with the Bulls. He got drafted by them. He was a lottery pick. Mm-hmm. Played at Boise State. Um, uh, so there's a couple more names I can't really think of. I got to really sit down and think. But those two definitely come up to my mind the the quickest. So. Um, played against those guys. What's something that you missed the most um, about playing uh, at Air Force? Um, something that I missed the most about playing, um, man, it's going to sound cliche, but just being around my teammates, man. <laughs> um, it's just a different atmosphere having that, that – being in the locker room and being in that environment, seeing your boys every day, um, and – I definitely miss that 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 camaraderie that that brotherhood, um, you know. I miss that the most. Just being around my my teammates, it was always love, you know, um, and just you know going through the the struggles with them at the academy, um, and, you know, during during the, the school year and, and basketball. So definitely miss that the most. And that's good, man. You're able to graduate. You set out with all the goals that you wanted to accomplished as well too um so do you think more players i mean obviously your your route's slightly different but there's some people who you know obviously if they want to go to nba if they're a hot commodity they're going to leave prematurely and whatnot i guess what i'm trying to get to is do you feel like more players should take that initiative to complete all four years i think i think everyone's situation could be different um you know everyone has not everyone has the same abilities and the same resources. Yeah. So it really just depends on the situation that you're in. Um, you know, obviously, I think being in college for a longer period of time, um, you know, there's more of an opportunity for you to grow and develop. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're playing in a lot of games. You play in a lot of games, a lot of, you know, hours dedicated to the gym, you know, in the film, weight room. So you have a lot of time to to develop you know but then at the same time it's like college kind of limits you as well um so it really just depends on you know your program your coaches and you know how how they can develop you you really got to have a plan on how i'm going to get better um so i would say it really just depends you know on certain scenarios um but ultimately 
um, if you had to, if I had to just choose one, I would say being in college a lot more does does help you, um, you know, grow not only on the court, but just in general as a as a person, you know, because you, you're going to go through certain things. You're going to deal with adversity and that's going to help you along the way in life. Mm. How's the transition been, you know, since since graduating from college and whatnot? Um, I'm not going to lie. Um, the transition was it was a little bit difficult. Just because, I mean, I've been playing basketball my whole life. <laughs> like, when people say ball is life, that was literally <laughs> my life. Like, that was my identity in hoops, you know. Um, I was just always known as a, a basketball player. So, you know, once that ball stopped, once that ball stopped dribbling, um, stopped bouncing, I was kind of like, dang, like, well, what else do I like to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I kind of had to figure that out, um, find my way. Um, you know, and, uh, and it's crazy cause I wasn't the only one going through that. It was a, a couple of other, my, my, my teammates as well. And, you know, other people growing up, you know, back home, you know, they play basketball. You think you're going to go pro doesn't necessarily work out that way. So it's like, what's next? Um, but you know, as long as you got a good, uh, support system, um, you know, eventually you're going to figure it out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And, I, and just sorry to backtrack, but um, there was a season you didn't play too, too many games as well, too. I forgot you had an injury, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, it's crazy because one of my favorite games, um, <laughs> like I mentioned before, playing against Colorado State was the game I got hurt in. Um, and uh, I think I had just grabbed a rebound, um, and I just tweaked my knee a little bit. But, uh, you know, I'm not thinking any much of it, and I'm continuing to play. Generally racing. Yeah. Um, I I run back down the court, and I'm noticing, like, my knee feels a little bit loose. Um, and it's crazy because <laughs> you can actually see it on the film. Uh. I'm, like, stomping my knee, my leg into the ground, trying to, trying to put it back together because I didn't know what was going on. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I, I, I finished the game, and we ended up winning. And I remember celebrating afterwards, and uh, I didn't really feel much pain. Like, I, I only felt the looseness. It wasn't until, you know, uh, finished the game, got back on the bus, and we on the way back to school, and I was like, man, my knee kind of hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, got back, the trainer took a look at me, and he thought I, I tore something, got the MRI, and I had uh, ruptured my uh, my meniscus in my right knee. So, mm. um yeah, it was a. Uh, obviously, I was I was down. It took a while to recover. Yeah, how long was the re- how long was the recovery? Did you have to get surgery? Um, how long we got for? Yeah, so I had to get surgery. Um, a, a full meniscus repair. Um, I think the the surgery. Well, the recovery. I wouldn't. I'll say it took about seven eight months until yeah. I was fully healed. Um, after the surgery, I was on crutches. Wasn't allowed to put any weight on my right my right leg. I was on crutches for about six weeks. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, knee injuries are tough, man, because you depend on your elite, your your knee for for a lot of things, you know. Um, you know, lateral movement, just running in general. So you know, you really gotta take time to to build that confidence back up in your in your knee. So it was definitely difficult um, rehabbing and going through that, and then not playing. Um, it messes with your mind a little bit too. Um, well, you know, it, it, it's a journey to to get back to to health. That's good. It's good that you get back to health. I mean, 
Grayson was talking about. Um, I can't remember the name of the injury, but basically the same foot injury that Chet Holmgren suffered um, in that game against uh, the for Jamal Crawford's league or whatnot. He had that. So that took him out for a year. But he was like, still to this day, he still feels some form of pain from that as well, too. Is that the case for you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'll say I do feel pain sometimes um, if I just, you know, do too much. Um, you know, to this day, I mean, I used to be able to dunk off my right, my right, my right leg. Um, and I can't really do that now. Um, so, you know, you're really never the same. You kind of got to get used to your, your new body uh, almost in a sense. So, yeah. um, like I said, it's, it's a process. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It just makes me wonder about all these players. Cause it feels like nowadays, like, especially in the NBA, like, a lot of players are coming back from these like crazy ass injuries. Katie with the Achilles, you know, Kawhi and Jamal Murray with the ACL, even players with back injuries as well. So, so just kind of crazy, um, like the modern medicine and just the rehab that we kind of go through now. It's wild. No, it is it's definitely crazy. Um, you know, that's why I got a lot of respect for those guys. You know, obviously on the NBA, they, they got a lot more resources yeah. than us at the college level. Um, but they're also doing it full time too. So, you know, those those injuries they go through, man. I I respect those guys a lot because it's tough to to come back from an injury and then still compete at a high level. Mm-hmm. Any any uh, any words of advice to you know anyone out there that you know is not even trying to play at that next level um, in which you've been blessed to do, but with anything that they kind of want to pursue in life. <sighs> Yeah, um, you know, it's going to sound cliche again, but 10,000 hours, man, you got to put the work in. You can't skip it. Um, You know, I look back on my life and I think about, you know, just for me to compete at the Division One level at, you know, the Air Force Academy um, in the Mountain West, which wasn't like a high major conference, but it was still a pretty good conference. Mm-hmm. And I look back on all the, the hours that I put in, um, you know, the – the early mornings, even at a young age, you know, all the the traveling, um, you know, the weight room, coaches taking me this place, parents taking me that place, trying to find a ride to get to the gym. I mean, you really got to fall in love with it. You really got to fall in love with, um, you know, getting better, putting the the actual work in and, you know, trying to to work on your weaknesses. Um, You can't skip the work can't do that so you, you got to put it in you got to almost be obsessed with it so that's my i'll say that's my that's my advice appreciate the insight as well too ladies and gentlemen you heard that there first hand cliche as it sounds put those ten thousand hours in and really find love and what you're passionate about and just go full throttle you ready to talk about a little bit of nba hoops man yes sir all right so this is a little late but it's still breaking news in my heart and my mind Donovan Mitchell got traded to the New York Knicks. Everyone thought he was, oh, sorry. Donovan Mitchell did not get traded to the New York Knicks. Played y'all niggas. Uh, Donovan Mitchell got traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, He was supposed to get traded to the New York Knicks as well, too. Boy, oh, boy, was that New York market mad. So the Cavaliers sent Jazz forward Laurie Markkinen, a rookie wing, Okai 
Abagi, Abagi, I can't even pronounce his name, and guard Colin Sexton, three unprotected first-round picks, 2025, 2027, 2029, and two sp- and two pick swaps, 2026 and 2028 for Mitchell. And then the uh, Utah Jazz ended up giving Colin Sexton a four-year, $72 million deal as well, too. Huge blockbuster trade. I, If you would have told me going into free agency that Donovan Mitchell was going to be traded before Rudy Gobert, before Kevin Durant, I've been like, what are you talking about? But it seems like it was a win-win on both sides as well, too. So my question for you is, you know, what are your thoughts on the trade and what do you expect for Donovan Mitchell this year in his new environment? Um, You know, I think I like the trade on both sides. You know, one, Utah, obviously they're going through a, a real bit, a rebuilding phase right now. Um, so, you know, they got some some young talent, but um, a lot of, uh, you know, future picks uh, for them. So that's that's good for them. You know, acquiring them, acquiring those assets in the rebuilding process is really important. Um, you know, on the on the Cavs side, um, you know, Cavs already have a young team. Um, you know, they got uh, uh, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, um, you know, and then adding Donovan Mitchell to that group is only going to make them better. Um, you know, having that backcourt of Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, I think it'll be fun to watch. Um, you know, the potential for a young team like that, man, it's, it's the ceiling's high, you know. It may not even have a ceiling. Um, but I, I, I think I think it's good, um, you know, for the Cavs to, to make that move and acquire a, a star, a star in this league, a real all-star who's proved himself in the playoffs, um, you know, and now to to be around a team with other young weapons as well, I think it'll be good for them. Yeah, I mean they legit have you can argue two all star caliber players. They have a legit superstar as well to Donovan Mitchell, like you said. Honestly, that whole rookie of the year shit, like I feel like Ben Simmons, like obviously he won rookie of the year that year too, but he sat out a year. Granted he didn't play, but he's still working on his game, perfecting his craft, traveling with the team. And Donovan Mitchell really wasn't exposed to that still. So to me, still to this day, I feel like he should have been rookie of the year. But to be a rookie and to take your team to the playoffs and upset who was a former MVP and Russell Westbrook with PG and all them is is fucking crazy. And he still hasn't missed the playoffs as well, too. Like you said, we saw what he can do in the playoffs, walking 30-plus points per game bucket as well, too. You add that with a team that has playoff aspirations, like you said, I don't really see any necessary ceilings with them as well, too. Um, and I feel like this is probably the best talent that he he's kind of played with as well, too. And I'm interested to see what they're kind of um, going to cook up as far as the game plan as well, too. So, obviously, he's a superstar in his own right. Um, how do you see him and Garland pairing with each other? Who becomes the 1A? Like, do you think Mitchell takes a step back? Do you think Garland takes a step back? And obviously, from a defensive standpoint, I know Donovan Mitchell, based on his frame, his build, he's athletically gifted to be a, a perennial defender, but we kind of haven't seen that yet. Maybe it's because of the load he has, he's had to do so much in the past as well, too. But how do you kind of see them coexisting with one another? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, uh, Donovan Mitchell um, playing alongside with uh, DG, um, I think it's going to be pretty similar to you know what we saw in Portland with uh, Damian Lillard and and CJ McCollum, um, both scoring guards, 
um, can do a lot offensively with their ability. Um, I think Donovan Mitchell would definitely be 1A. Um, you know, Donovan, he has a, a, a lot of ability. Um, and like you said before, um, he didn't have that much talent um, back when he was with Utah. So playing alongside with, with Darius Garland, I think um, a lot of the low will, will be off of him. Um, which will help him to, uh, you know, be more of a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously you also got Evan Mobley as well. Um, but I think both of those guys will will uh, work out just because they're both uh, playmaking guards that can do a lot um, as well as score the ball. So, you know, it, it, it's pretty tandem, you know. Um, it might be nice DG has, you know, the ball in his hands a lot, and then it might be nice where – Donovan has the, the ball in his hands a lot, but both of those guys can play off the ball. Um, so it's really a matter of who's hot, um, you know, who they're playing against. So I, I really think it'll it'll work. Mm. And they still got Kevin Love. Um, and they still have, uh, what's his name? Who's the walking bucket? Levert as well, too. Oh, yeah. So they're going to be a problem. They're going to be a problem for sure as well, too. And, and obviously we said that they, quote, unquote, have no ceiling, but – with these other powerhouses in the East as well, too, the Bucks, the 76ers, um, the Celtics, the the Nets, seems like they're going to stay together for, for the time being. Where do you see them kind of ranking up with them? Like, where do you see them ending? Um, if you had a, if you had to make a prediction, where do you see them ending in the Eastern Conference? And, and what do you think their ceiling is as far as playoff success? Ah, oh, man, it's, it's tough, you know, obviously not seeing them. But on paper, um man uh i want to say top four but <laughs> i mean it's still tough but you still got the Sixers, <laughs> you know joel and b still got the celtics um yeah let's let's go with top four i think probably in that four or five range four or five mm-hmm. i think that's that's somewhere realistically they can uh they can finish this year. Yeah, I said top four or five as well, too. I'm just trying to figure out the seeding because I think um, even though Miami only really lost P.J. Tucker, I just feel like for some reason they're going to take a step back. Um, I think the Celtics are still kind of upset about how things kind of ended. So I got the Celtics number one. I got Philly, James Harden resurgence. They're going to be number two. Number three, I probably got the Bucks. You, I mean, it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, and then number four, that might be a toss-up. So, yeah, I see them ending up four or five as well, too. Um, it's probably going to be like any other team where they got to get used to playing with each other. And then after like a month or so, they're going to take off and just not look back as well, too. So I'm interested to see how that's going to pan out. Um, and a lot of people are saying, yeah, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland. But everybody's saying, like, yo, I wouldn't be surprised in like two to four years. Mobley going to end up being the best player. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, Mobley is he's really good. Um he has good touch around the rim. Um obviously he's got, he's got length. Um you know, he's pretty comfortable being out on the perimeter as well. Um you know, he can do a lot for for that team. I can see him kind of just, you know, filling in those 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 roles of, you know, doing anything for that team. Whether it's rebounding, scoring, um playmaking, um, you know, he's a do it all type of player and it helps that he's also what six eleven, seven foot. So, um, you know, his potential is is out the roof too. Um, you know, I there's he he was a number one pick, you know, so 
you know, he, and he's he's proven why he's the number one pick, and I think as he continues to uh, grow and develop in this league, he'll eventually become, a, you know, an all-star in this league as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So moving moving to a new topic, we kind of talked about this last week with, with Grayson as well too, but the Patrick Beverly saga kind of continues. We're kind of just giving our early impressions on that. He actually had a press conference, and I got a couple quotes as well here. I say here that, Beverly was blunt about how he saw himself helping L.A. return to the postseason in 21-22. And I quote, I just feel like they didn't make the playoffs last year. Um, and I think they ended up with 33-49. and um, And he was like, basically, they were the number 11 seed. Um, we're being honest. That's just the truth. So you can see all the banners. But you but you know, is what have you done for me lately? And lately, the Lakers haven't been a good team. And I'm here, obviously. Coach, Dar- Coach Darvin Ham is here. Um, so obviously with with Beverly, you know, three time all defensive teamer, I didn't even know this, but he's never missed the postseason ever as well too. Um, so hopefully he can keep that streak alive going into year eleven. Um, and obviously we know he played for Houston, the Clippers, Timberwolves as well too. Um, they also kind of talked to him in his in his press conference about um, basically culture, and he said I changed the culture of all three of those teams. He mentioned. I'm trying to implement what I feel like has worked over the past years, and that is the closer you are, the more you are a team, the more you spend time together, the, the better you'll be as a team. And if you can't have those tough conversations amongst each other, you damn sure ain't going to have all those in front of 20,000 people when the crowd's going crazy against you. Um, and then obviously the elephant in the room was the whole Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly beef and whatnot as well too. And he said it's actually, he, th- he thinks it's actually perfect. Um, he says that, I shoot a ton out of the corner with right wing. He posts on the left wing. Um, offensive sets run after timeouts. He likes to post on the right wing. I shoot 50% from the left corner three. It works. To have another ball handler out there with me, obviously with LeBron also, the more ball handlers, the better you are as a team. Um, and then he basically just talked more about, like, things are just going to kind of work out. And, like, he kept reiterating the the uh, the culture as well, too. But, I want to hear from you as well. Um, I feel like this is going to be one of the Lakers' last additions unless they have, like, a crazy Russell Westbrook um, trade before, like, the All-Star break and whatnot. But what are your thoughts on uh, Patrick Beverly um, in addition, being the newest addition to the Lakers as well? Um, You know, I thought about it initially. I was like, you know, what are the Lakers doing? Um, I'm sure a lot of people thought that that same thing. Um. But really, I think Beverly, Patrick Beverly, helps them out, you know, not necessarily X's and O's, but just culture-wise, um, you know, having another leader on the team, having someone else that, you know, can hold others accountable. Um, you know, I didn't even know he he's never missed a, a postseason, so <laughs> kudos to him. Um, but, you know, he's another guy on the team that can – um, be vocal and open up his mouth and, like you said, have those tough conversations. Um, at the end of the day, he's a competitor. And, uh, you know, one thing about competitors, they're going to find a way to to win no matter what. Um, so I definitely think it um, gives life to the Lakers. Um, you know, he could potentially be that that heartbeat for them. Um, kind of like, kind of like how Draymond was for, for the Warriors. Mm. Um, I can definitely see Patrick being – being that role, you know, doing the the simple things on the court. Um, obviously, he's known for his defense, um, but you know, being another, having another voice in the locker room like that, another, uh, you know, dog as 
as a lot of people would say. Um, I think it's uh, I know I think the Lakers can definitely benefit from from that. Um, you know, uh, you know, on the court, um, you know, they're basketball players, they're professional basketball players, so I know somehow, some way, they're gonna they're gonna work it out. Are they gonna be a playoff team? Or playing team that makes the playoffs. Um, I'm gonna say, <laughs> I'm gonna say they're gonna be a playoff team. Um, you know where they rank. Uh, I'm not too sure. <laughs> I'm gonna have to think about it. But um, I gotta go with, I gotta go with the uh, the numbers. What's been done in the past? Patrick never missed a playoff. So, <laughs> hey man, that's what JJ Redding said until he got to the Pelicans. Zion <laughs> won't play. And he didn't make the playoffs, but. Now nah, they sh- they should make the playoffs as well too, but I'm just like I constantly like just go back and forth about this. I'm just trying to because now the playing or playoff teams that are secured are six teams. Right now, I don't think they're better than the Clippers. That's one. They're not gonna be better than the Nuggets. That's two. They're not gonna be they're not gonna be better than Phoenix. That's three. Luka Magic. That's four. I didn't even mention the Warriors. That's five. Minnesota, they got Rudy Gobert now, and I'm and I'm and I'm hoping Anthony Edward makes another leap. That's six. Pelicans made the playoffs last year. Zion's gonna be fully healthy. That's seven. I don't know, man. I don't know. But then again, like AD didn't play that much, and LeBron didn't play that much as well too. So it's just like maybe I I don't know. But you said they're gonna be a, a, a one through six seed. Uh. I think not one through six, probably uh, I'm going to say, you know, five through eight. Five through eight? Okay. I think five through eight is realistic as well, too. All right, moving on from them. um, Man, shout out to James Harden really taking that form of a pay cut and, you know, just being able to add more depth to the 76ers because we've seen in the past every team, you can have as much star power as you want, but it's really – your depth that kind of helps you overcome to win a championship as well too. So a couple of days ago, Montrose Harrell was signed to a two year, $5.2 million deal with the Philadelphia 76ers. Obviously he's going to be bringing toughness and, and scoring um, off the bench and, and what they desperately need as well. So obviously we know Jarrell Embiid has a track record of kind of getting hurt and whatnot as well too. But I think they said that last year, the 76ers ranked like, 28th in bench scoring a year ago so I think this is definitely going to boost their bench with the with the key additions that they kind of had as well too um and Montessori only 28 he looked like he about 38 but um averaged about 11.4 points and, and five rebounds in the stint with the Charlotte Hornets obviously we know he's a former six-man player of the year um with the Clippers as well too and he gets to reunite with coach Doc Rivers um and you know with the new additions like I kind of mentioned PJ Tucker Daniel House um, as well, too. The Sixers are looking pretty formidable. So um, what are your thoughts on Manchester Hero, you know, being the newest addition to uh, the Philadelphia 76ers? And what are your thoughts on the 76ers headed into the season this year? Um, I like what the Sixers did this offseason. Um, you know, signing Montrezl Hero was, was huge for them. Um, like you mentioned, you know, they were kind of lacking um, on the bench as far as bench scoring. Um, and he definitely can can fill that role, um, especially when Joel Embiid is out the game. I think it's a, a real good opportunity for him to, you know, um, create that energy from off the bench and, you know, continue to for them to, to, to play um, at the level that they want to play when Joel's out, out the game. Um, you know, he can score. He's energetic. Um, he can rebound, um, you know, plays with a lot of passion. 
and you know hopefully that that rubs off on uh the, you know the rest of the the players on that team um and then just in general um you know they added PJ Tucker mm-hmm. um championship DNA right there also uh from Raleigh as well um so North Carolina still representing <laughs> um you know adding another shooter um another um tough defender he's a star in his role and he's he's known for for being uh you know a, a tough player defensive player in this league so um that's definitely something that they needed um can definitely mentor some of those other guys on the team um Matisse Tybull um you know PJ Tucker brings you know shooting from the corner um so that's good for for James Harden they already have that chemistry they've they've played before um so I really do like what um, the the Sixers have done um, this off season. Um, you know, I, I'd say it was a, a W for them. Yeah, for sure as well too. And you know, every year Embiid's continue to get better and better and better. We know they're gonna make the playoffs, but Doc just hasn't been able to scratch getting to getting past the second round as well too. And I'm just wondering, like, what's gonna make this year different? I guess my other question for you before we go into the next topic is everybody been kind of, you know, talking shit about James Harden. Like, do you think James Harden is going to have a, it's crazy because the dude still averaged like 23, 10 and like eight. <laughs> Any other player were like, yo, top player in the league, X, Y, and Z, but because we're so accustomed to his, like his explosions and we consider him one of the best offensive players of all time, or at least the generation, you know, people, a lot of people have been kind of coming at him. What are your expectations for him in particular this season? Um, <clears throat> I think James Harden is still a star in this league. Um, you know, people try to discredit him just because we are so used to him, you know, putting up those numbers, but you know, you got to look at the the situation he was in back in Houston. You know, he was the the main scoring guard on that team, and you know, Mike D'Antoni he kind of made it that way to to have the offense centered around him. You know, at this point in his career, um, his role is a little bit different. Um, he can still score, but you know, primarily he's a he's a playmaker. I um, mean, when you got Joel Embiid on your team too, um, you know. Joel Embiid is probably going to be, you know, one day on that team, have the ball a lot um, in his hands. So um, I think James Harden does a really good job of, uh, you know, leading the offense. I think that'll primarily be his his role. Um, and I can still see him putting up numbers every now and then. Um, but, you know, being a playmaker, um, you know, finding other people on the court, um, trying to get that ball to, to Joel Embiid on the, in the paint, um, pick and pop, pick and roll. Um, I think that's definitely going to be his his role on the team. Um, I think he'll still have a, a, a good year if he's healthy. Um, you know, the sky's the, the limit for, for the Sixers as well if they're healthy. Okay, okay. Moving on to the next topic. The Basketball Hall of Fame just took place yesterday. Um, so that was, was pretty interesting. Some names to kind of highlight. Uh, Hardaway, um, Manu Ginobili, Swin Cash, Bob Huggins, Dell Harris, Lindsey Whalen, Marianne Stanley, Teresa Schenk, Grants, and George Carl all delivered their enshrinement addresses as new members of the Basketball Hall of Fame. 
um, in Springfield, Massachusetts. Now, obviously, the person that stands out the most, you guys see on my screen right now behind me, is Manu Ginobili, number 20 for the San Antonio Spurs, four-time NBA champion, two-time All-Star, 07-08, six-man of the year, two-time All-NBA, and has a career average of 14-4-4. My question for you is, you know, when you, you obviously we heard all these names, but the person that, you know, gets highlighted the most is Manu Ginobili. When you hear the name Manu Ginobili, you know, if you had to sum it up, like what what comes to mind for you? Man, Manu, um, <clears throat> I think he's one of the the greatest uh, the greatest uh, six men of all time. Um, you know, when I think of six men, um, he's one of the first ones to to come to mind, and he really kind of um, he kind of made it cool to to come off the bench and, <laughs> and do your thing. You know what I mean, um, Manu? I'm sure. Um, a lot of people remember Manu. Uh, he was a, he was a, a, I don't know how to describe his game. It was a little unorthodox. You know, he brought a different style to the game, different flair. Um, but he could do a lot on the court. Um, you know, one thing about Manu, he was a, a competitor too. You know, he was a dog. Um, I think he was about six six, um, lefty too, which is a lot more more hard to harder to guard. Um, I think. Um, but you know, Manu really. You know, he really was a star in his role and, um, you know, sacrificing uh, on a team where he could have been a starter, you know. Um, and I think that right there um, is definitely a, uh, you know, is definitely important, um, you know, because growing up you always get so concerned with, oh, starting, you know what I mean? But it's about who finishes the game and who makes who makes an impact. So, um, Manu, you know, he was one of those guys, as soon as he gets on the court, he's going to lace him up and come at you. So, um, you know, he's definitely one of the, the greatest six men of, of all time. Yeah, I, I will not even say one of us. I think he is the greatest six men of all time. Obviously, you can point at Lou Williams. You can point at Jamal Crawford, all of them scoring buckets. But as far as a two-way player and you put him on your team and you're instantly – he get, helps you get over the hump, definitely Manu Ginobili. So, I heard a couple buzzwords that kind of that you kind of pointed out that kind of came to mind for me, and, and for me, is like you said, sacrifice, dedication, um, openness for humility, and authenticity as well too. And I feel like he kind of among with like Dirk and you know the Tony Parkers of the world and whatnot. We have a right now. I mean, if it wasn't for him and those other kind of players that I kind of mentioned there wouldn't be that many international basketball players in the league as well, too, because right now, if you look at the top players in the league, Joel B from Africa, and then you got Europe players like Giannis, who, I mean, obviously he's black as well, too, but he's from the Greece. Greece, yeah. <laughs> Luka, um, Joker as well, too. So it's kind of crazy how, like, international basketball has, you know, been popularized, and, and we have more talent um, as well, too, and they've kind of closed that gap between us. But Ginobili, man, that dude was a killer back in the day as well, too. Um, I mean, so many players now, when they go in transition, what are they doing? The Euro step. Euro step <laughs> he made the Euro step cool. Whole, whole move, you know what <laughs> I mean? He made the whole step cool, made it dope as well, too. Like you said, that unorthodox um, style of play that he has as well, too. But whenever I saw him on the court, like you said, he accepted his role um, at the ultimate professional level because I I feel like to this day, like if he was hand the reins on another team, I think they would have been a playoff team, and I think he could have put up at least like twenty five per night type shit. I think he was that good, but 
um, to see him kind of just go through all of that and still remain professional and still end up winning. And when you think of the Spurs dynasty, obviously you're going to think of Tim Duncan at the top tier with Coach Pop, but there's no Coach Pop and legacy of Tim Duncan without Ginobili as well, too. So definitely deserves his flower as well. And, you know, just happy for him as well, too. And, you know, I'm always going to – he's always going to be in my top ten of favorite players of all time, for sure, for sure. Absolutely. Now, I think the NBA just proposed a in-season tournament as well, too, trying to pull up this link right here. So um, it's loading a little bit right now. It says here that the NBA offseason moves fast, blah, 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 blah. Let me get to the, the, the bread of everything as well, too. So essentially what they're trying to do is they're trying to have um, kind of like with soccer, um, like they have like multiple cups throughout the season as well, too. Aside from like the NBA um, championship, obviously, that takes place during the postseason and whatnot. It looks like they're trying to have an in-season tournament as well, too. I'm trying to find – I had the link, but I'm trying to find like the actual tweet in which they kind of posted about, too. I think Shams posted that. I want to just give you guys some form of structure on what they were talking about. But basically, from what I remember, um, it would be uh, there would still be like 82 games included. But I think like midway through the season, they will basically have like single elimination tournaments as well, too. I'm trying to look at the at the actual structure of that joint. I can't find it right now. Um, But I guess what are your thoughts on the idea of, you know, kind of having an in-season tournament as opposed to just focusing on one prize, which is the NBA Finals. Yeah, I guess I would have to really understand what the intent is behind having, you know, uh, in-season tournaments um, to be doing it for so long, you know, the standard way, 82 games, and then, you know, top eight, go to the playoffs, um, and then to, to see, a, a, a you know, a new change. Um, obviously, people are going to, you know, say, you know, what's going on? Why are we doing this? So I really want to understand why um, they're doing it. Um, you know, if they're doing it for, you know, something that's, you know, it could be beneficial to the league um, and they can show that perspective, then, you know, I'm all for it. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, 82 games, every game does matter. You know what I mean? Um, so Especially it's not now. like, right. You know, so it's not like, you know, guys are going to just go out there and, you know, they can say what they want, regular season, regular season, but you got to win. <laughs> you still got to win a good amount of games to get, in, you know, the, the top eight um, on the, the east or the west coast. So, um, you know, I, I'm all for trying new things. Um, I just really got to understand, you know, what the what's the point? What are we trying to do with this? What's the, the overall goal here? Um, that's that's where, what I'm curious about. I think they're just trying to take up the viewership. And like you said, they're Adam Silver is so progressive and he's just trying to think of just different ways to, like I said, just get more people watching as well too. Cause to be real, we love the NBA. So we always going to be watching a league pass X, Y, and Z and whatnot. But I feel like the average person who likes sports or likes the NBA, they don't really tune into that probably till about Christmas time or like right before the playoffs started, even like the playoff basketball in general as well too. So I think this would definitely give other sports like baseball and especially NFL run for his money as well, too. Um, but I think it's more so from the viewership standpoint as well, too. So they kind of say here, 
Um, Shams tweeted, the current framework of NBA in-season tournament as soon as 2023-24 per sources. Cup games through November. Eight team advanced to single elimination final in December. Other 22 continue with regular season. All games part of normal 82-game schedule. One extra for final teams as well, too. Um, and he says here the NBA and NBPA are still working to finalize the in-season tournament concept which includes to be determined prizes for eight teams that advance for the single elimination round as well, too. So I guess it's another thing where it's probably like for bragging rights as well, too. But it's like, all right, I mean, I'm a competitor. I like it, too. But like to me, like that don't really mean shit if I ain't going to get to the playoffs or if I'm not winning championship as well, too. Exactly. So I think you're going to see a lot of players, even though it's part of 82 games. I wouldn't be surprised if these GMs and owners and coaches are just like, yo, with our top team players, like, our main prize is to win the championship or at least to have a potential to play for the championship. I don't, I can see a scenario where they kind of rest them as well too. Um, now, if you're going to incentivize them and give them an additional check, but more importantly, because of the way the NFL works is if you, if you're the worst team, regardless, every year you're going to get the top pick. And with the NBA, it's a lottery system. If you're the worst team, you just happen to get more balls inside that little thingy as well too so maybe they can do something if you win the if you win the in-season tournament you get more balls placed in basically into the pot so you have a higher chance of getting a higher pick i mean i think that would be cool but it'll be interesting to see like you room for a team and kind of seeing who is good because one thing i love about the nfl so much is anyone can win on any given night in that one and done shit so it would be kind of cool to see like a little one and done situation as well too because even with the plan we were kind of against that um, and now we love it, and now we're tuning in the last the, the last fourth of the season as well, too, to see who makes it. And I think what really made it hot for me was when Russ was on um, the Wizards, and the Wizards was kind of shitty, but he just went stupid. So I was literally tuning in every single night, checking seasons to see what was happening. I think they were ended up being like the ninth or tenth seed, and they ended up getting into the playoffs as well, too. But I think I think it's I think it's something that's good for the league um, in the long run. So. We'll definitely continue to kind of monitor that situation as well, too. But I, I would love to see a midseason tournament as well, too, and see who can who can be that that vic, that vic, that, vict, that victorious uh, team as well, too. Uh, a couple more topics here, quick, quick topics. Um, we mentioned the Boston Celtics, we mentioned the Milwaukee Bucks, we mentioned the Cleveland Cavaliers, we we mentioned the Brooklyn Nets, and we mentioned the 76ers. Now, outside of those teams in the East, which team is your sleeper team in the Eastern Conference? Uh, sleeper team in the East. Um, you know, I think a lot of people uh haven't been talking about them. Uh, I'll say the Atlanta Hawks. Mm. Um, you know, they made the playoffs couple, couple times uh in the past couple years. You know, Trey Young is there, John Collins. Um, you know, adding Dejounte Murray, I think was was huge for them. Um, another All Star type of player. Um, you know, big guard as well, can guard um, multiple positions on the court, um, you know, playmaking guard too. So I think it, he will uh, he'll definitely accompany Trey very well. I think those guys will, will mesh. Um, you know, Trey's a guy he can play on or off the ball. And he has, the, he has a lot of load to carry as well on the, on the Hawks too. So, um, you know, I think adding DeJounte Murray to that team um, elevated the, the Hawks. Um, and not too many people are, are talking about them. Uh, it'll definitely be a fun team to play with in 2K. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. And then moving on to the Western Conference, you know, 
the top the top tier teams last year, I feel like in my opinion, were the Suns, um, the Grizzlies, the Warriors, Dallas, um, and then I guess you can kind of say the Clippers now, now that you know two of their superstars are coming back with the addition of John Wall and whatnot as well too. But outside of those teams, and I'm also going to include the Lakers just because of their star power. Um, outside of those teams, who is your sleeper for the Western Conference? Um, you didn't say the Nuggets, did you? I didn't say the Nuggets. You didn't say the Nuggets. So, um, I mean, I'm a I'm a huge Luka fan, so I love the Mavericks. But if I had to choose outside of the Mavs, I'll say the Nuggets, man. Um, obviously, you still got Jokic. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. coming back now. Jamal Murray coming back. Love watching him play. Dog. Um, you know, they still have a really talented squad um, and a really good coach as well. Um, so I would say the Nuggets, man, because talent-wise, I think they can match up with, with anyone um, in the in the Western Conference. Um, and I'm really excited to see what uh, Jamal Murray looks like, you know, now that he'll be he'll – be, fully healthy as well as uh, Michael Porter Jr. Um, so I'm really excited to see that. All right. And then last but not least, a couple of days ago, NBA 2K23 came out, man. Um, I feel like what they've kind of stressed a lot is the my career. It's kind of crazy, like, just playing that junk growing up when my career first came out. Like, you couldn't even scan your face. Now you can scan your face. Now they got some my park bullshit. Now <laughs> J. Cole in that joint, and it looks like the my player guy is like – uh, part-time rapper too. <laughs> it's like they just took taking it too far but i get it like the lion's share of their profit goes towards kids and whatnot as well too but will you be copying nba 2k23 this year hey man you know we talk so much trash about 2k every year but at the end of the day we're gonna buy it man we love hoops you know what i mean so i'm a i'm gonna eventually <laughs> cop it i know I know y'all gonna copy too. You know we got our little group chat. You know we have our season every year, so we definitely gotta, definitely gonna have to tap in and you know start that, start that uh two K twenty two season. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna actually finish the the season this year too. Yeah, Zach ain't gonna be in that one, but <laughs> I got a little glimpse because uh, with PlayStation, I got share play, so I was playing a little bit of it yesterday with you. Obviously, you smacked me, um, but that was my first time playing. But from what I've seen so far as it's a little test trial using the Brooklyn Nets. Dribbling systems, much better, more smooth as well, too. You can really get even more separation than you did last year as well, too. But what sucks is, like, I still hate, like, the time dunks. And right now it's, like, the shooting meter's garbage. Like, it got worse. Like, I, I, <laughs> The perfect one was two years ago. Last year was like, oh, okay, I get it. But this year it's terrible. Like, yeah. It's bad. Like, okay. you're going to be missing free throws, all that. So I don't know if they need a patch update or whatnot, but be prepared to break some controls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be prepared to break some controls. But like you said, we love hoops. We're going to cop it. Um, this is probably the first time in a year that I didn't get it the first day or first week, yeah, which is crazy. Um, but, yeah, we're going to cop it. And, you know, we're going to see what's good with that as well, too. Any any last closing remarks? Uh, Yeah, man. Um. Obviously, I'm glad to be here. Um, you know, you've been doing this for a while, so that that shows a lot about you. You know, you're consistent. So, um, you know, obviously, I'm good to always always good to to talk hoops. Um, I love basketball. We share that same passion. Um, obviously, you're my cousin, so we grew up together. Um, but you know, I'm I'm proud of you, um, and uh, you know, I'm wishing you wishing you all the best in all your endeavors. Um, and like I said, I'm 
glad to to be on the show today. Yeah, so for your handle, look in that camera right over there and let everyone know your social media handles. Yeah, my socials, uh, so on Instagram, Twitter, uh, just P underscore louder 22. Um, you can find me there. Um, I'm not too active, but you know, when <laughs> I am active, you can you can follow follow me on there. Um, yeah, I think that's it. P P is it P underscore louder? Yeah, P P underscore louder. Twenty two. Twenty two. And for you, my young entrepreneurs out there as well too. If you're trying to tap in, definitely hit them up as well too. For sure. Definitely hit them up as well too. But thanks for being on this episode. Like I said, it's been a long time coming as well too. Nothing but blessings. Continue to do what you do as well, too. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was episode 119 of The Caesars Show. Make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media at The Caesars Show, at Sir Caesars. Like you said, my guest, Purvis Slaughter, did great. We out. <laughs>